Welcome to the Littlestown Chapel Podcast. Make sure to check us out on the web at littlestownchapel.org. Now, we hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Joshua Stratton. Well, welcome, welcome. It is good to be together. I'm really glad to spend the day with you worshiping and celebrating our Lord and Savior. And we have been talking about salvation over the last couple of weeks because this is our theme for the year. Salvation means something. It's time. It's time for salvation. Now is the time for salvation. And today we're going to talk a little bit about the freedom we have in salvation. And, and uh, so we're going we're gonna to talk, and this is a little disclaimer, we're going to talk a little bit um, about some of the more serious things we struggle with. There'll be some discussion about sexual sin and, and a few other things that I just want to encourage you, like some, some of the youngest ears may not be ready to, to talk about it at this level. So I just encourage you that if you have of a youngster and you want to utilize Kids Church, um, you, you'll want to do that. Um, and uh, so, you know, I, I leave that up to your discretion. But um, we have a video. It, it, this is a guy sharing just his heart, his testimony about the freedom that Christ gave him. And I wanted to spend some time sharing that with you. So, My name is Coleman at the tender age of six. But who would predict the conflict of just two weeks with one touch, with no lights, minus the one that will come to save you when it came down to it? You see, I was just a little under three trying to understand what being adopted means. You see, my life was measured to be a quarterback, fourth down, pass, and a fierce upset. In fact, I figured that this was my reality. Plus, I was told that I was born this way, so somehow that equal homosexuality engaging in tendencies that somehow seemed to be familiar to me. So my second sexual encounter was around the time when I was in elementary, fifth grade. There we laid and I reacted to what was initially done to me. You see, we was in this mother's house and we said we had to do it quiet. Yeah. And afterwards we stood face to face just to say our farewells. We looked each other in the eyes and we promised not to tell. And I kept my word by, by keeping the secret. I figured that if I held it tight enough that I could talk the life out of it, that it would stop breathing. You see, I tried. Soon found out that it was the secrets that was feeding And even though I never told the soul, it seemed as if the darkness began to breathe. Listen, I was starving for salvation, but my appetite was addicted to demons, leaving me to obscure notoriety. And listen, there was nothing illuminating about this secret society. And even though my anger was directed inwards, you see, my sins seemed to project louder than my vocal cords. My actions were louder than words. 
promises that I kept, they only left me shattered and open. I guess that's what they meant when they said that promises were meant to be broken. Not knowing that I would be the one left to pick up the pieces. Who knew that this would be the result of me keeping a secret? But somehow the evidence started leaking. And my masculinity and my wrist started to weaken. My, my hips started to swing. You see, I had entertained these thoughts for so long that I began to imitate these demons. And these spirits, they, they started clinging like the spirit of anger and, and the spirit of pride, the spirit of pornography, and the spirit of lies. You see, I was held in contempt of my sin to witness my own demise, but I could testify that that wasn't me. Because in church, I would consistently search to be made free. You see, I heard the numerous testimonies of, of prostitution and drug abuse, even healing from HIV. But I never heard of one testimony of someone delivered from homosexuality. So I asked God, why? Why me? And after these many years of depression, I was stuck to ask the very same question, but then Christ replied with the scripture in 1 Corinthians 6 and 9, and now he described those that would inherit God's kingdom. And among the list would be adulterers, the idolaters, the, the fornicators, the homosexuals, and the deceivers. He said, those out of his mouth he would spew. I kept reading, I began to see what Christ was meaning because verse 11 said, but also for some of you. And you see, this was the message to the believers, those that had been redeemed, was let me know that I could be washed by the blood of Jesus and I could be made clean and I could be separated from this world and I could be reconnected with the King. But you see, my deliverance wasn't as easy as it seemed. Because even though all those things were possible, it was I who didn't believe. As opposed to being forgiven, I made the decision to keep on sinning. Even after I found out that the secret that I was holding on to was a lie, not only did I decide to live in my sin, but it was where I decided to die. I decided to take the secret to my grave. Because I had fallen to the lie that I could never ever change so intentionally. Except with a dude that had full-blown AIDS. And I thought that that would be the lowest that I would step. But you see, Satan has a cycle that only stops at death. And you see, Satan wanted me dead and disconnected. But, but Christ told me that if I could ignore the secrets, then I would be. I wouldn't be rejected. And he got feed in these secrets. And he, he told me to accept it. I, I tried to accept it, but my spirit man was affected. And he, he told me that I was born this way. And he, he told me to accept it, but accept it wasn't accepting. Christ said, you would be the exception if you would just accept me. That's right. And that was the day that I began to walk free. No longer listening to the secrets of Satan, but I began to answer Christ's calling. I began to let go of secrets and holding on to see Christ. I presented my body a living sacrifice as I was learning to know that I was called out of darkness into his marvelous light, knowing that we would lay endure for a night. I begin to find strength in the Lord and the power of his might. You see, it was a place that I told Satan that you would no longer control. 
me. Now I'm going to look for your secrets to comfort and hold me. You see, Satan is a liar. Mm. And he wants you to believe that you are your desires. That you are subjected to your urges. But you see, Christ became the finger that cleansed us and purged us. You see, he became the light that spoke in the dark like Hades comet. So we would be a fool to return back to our own vomit. And just to address the comments, no, you were not born gay. Just like Christians were not born saved. But you see, we gain salvation based off the consistent choices that we made. And we can consistently choose Christ, and you can live the same exact way. And please don't take this poem as being conceptual. Because I wasn't by. I was literally a homosexual. I had never been with a woman in my life. And the first woman that I slept with was my wife on my wedding night. And God not only delivered me, but he kept me. Because when I was tested, I wasn't even affected with HIV. And listen, Christ said he's not just calling us to live straight, but he's calling us to live holy. He says, I'm calling for a generation that will come before me boldly, knowing that we will only overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the words of our testimony. So, for this outcome to come, we must start at the overcoming. Because his message is worth repeating. He said, My people are dying because you are not speaking. So, I pray tonight that we release. Some of the lies. See. Salvation means something. Salvation means something. This man. He's found freedom. Because God came into his life. You see, now is the time for salvation. Jesus has come. God has come for you. God has come for you. Some of us need to hear that God has truly come for you and there is no one out of the reach of God. There is no one sin who is greater than the power of the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. God has come for you and he's offering you salvation. He's offering you a new life, as we talked about last week. 
a new life when you put your trust in Jesus Christ. He comes into your life. He comes in and he does away with the old. He takes the spiritual and he does away with it and he creates a new spirit within you. One that is without sin. And he guards it with his Holy Spirit. When we say we're born again, it means born, the Greek actually means born from the heavens, no longer of the seed of man, but of God, one without sin, a new life. And this means something. It means freedom. Freedom. It means freedom from your sin. It means freedom from your thoughts. It means freedom from addiction. It means freedom from the substances that have ruled our lives. It means freedom from what we like to say around here, our hurts and our habits and our hang-ups. It means freedom from the cycles, freedom from the oppression. God himself has come for you. Each one of us near, needs to hear this. God has come for you. And this is, this is hard to hear for some of us. Some of us, our pain is so big. The hurt is so big. The places that we've been is so big. How can you tell me? I don't feel like God has come for me. You cry out, where were you, God? Where were you? When my mother was so drunk, she couldn't take care of me. Where were you when the people who said they were, they were my parents abused me? Where were you just like this guy? He's abandoned at the age of three. Where was God? Where were you when I gave all I had and I came up empty? Where were you? when my job ended and I couldn't provide for my family? Where were you when my wife left me? When my husband said, I don't love you anymore, and no matter how much I prayed, he still walked out that door. Where were you when the love of my life was taken by cancer? Where were you when I was down and beaten and I lost even my will to live, where were you? And I don't know all the different pains in this room, but I know that many of us are struggling with these wounds that are so deep. It makes us questions. It makes us think. It keeps us far from a relationship with God. Because we look at these scars and, and we think, what a waste. And I have a promise that's been given to us. There's a promise in the scriptures. And I am convinced, 
I am convinced that God loves you. He will not waste your pain. And though I can't just explain it away, the truth is, is that God has come for you. He has come for you. And he has set something up, not to just survive this world, but he has come for you so that you would have an eternity. Listen, an eternity where no one can harm you. An eternity where no one can take advantage of you anymore. An eternity where there is no more sin. God has set a place for you where you will be with him. He has set a place for you that is greater than anything that this world could possibly have to offer. God has set an eternity for you that you are no longer slaves to your desires. You are no longer slaves to sin. He set up a place for us, an eternity that we have in him, that there is now freedom, true freedom, freedom from our sin, freedom from our Depression, a life with God Himself. This is salvation. No more sin. A life without pain, without fear, without addiction, without that thing that's grabbed onto you over and over again, a life with no more tears, no more grief, no more hurt. This is freedom. And that is what this testimony is proclaiming to you. Jonathan Johnson, uh, his ministry is... J.O. speaks. You can look him up. God has come into his life and he set him free and that means something. And I want to spend some time this morning. I want you to be convinced and not be led astray that there is true freedom, freedom that starts today. So would you turn with me? Turn with me to uh, Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verses 10 through 14. It's on page 973 if you're using one of the the Bibles here at church. And um, I want to uh, just pray over the reading of God's Word before we do. Father God, I thank you so much, Lord, for bringing us here to worship you this morning. Lord, I pray that you would teach us. Uh, we're calling on your spirit, Lord God, to come in and, and Lord, to, to, I know that I am inadequate, Lord. Would you, would you move us? Would you show us yourself, Lord? Would you help us to, to understand the freedom we have in you that we might live in it? And I pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, it says, For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be 
everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now, it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree so that in Christ Jesus the blessings of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Paul is creating a distinction here because you see actually in the letter here he is writing to a group of churches in the area of Galatia and they have had these people come in after the, the churches had heard they've, they've put their faith in Jesus Christ they've, they've heard the good news from Paul and they have started to, to, to build their lives around him and what they heard from Paul was a pure word but in comes these Judaizers these guys who say okay yes you need Jesus you can put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ and, and, and you you aren't saved yet though you need to do something else you need something extra you need Jesus plus and when you do that then you'll be saved you want to be saved you need to get circumcised and man this ticks Paul off in fact, this is one of the, the darkest tones in the scriptures, in the New Testament. Paul is just fired up. He's yelling at these guys. He's saying, how could you possibly have been bewitched? What are you, confused? You've been led astray. He's so mad at one point, he says, you know, they want to do circumcisions? I wish they'd just go all the way. <laughs> and he's so mad because of the severity of what we're talking about here. He's saying the blessings, look at that in, in verse 14. The blessings from Abraham, the promise of eternity, all the blessings that are through God, the promises of God, come through faith by the Holy Spirit. You put your faith in Jesus Christ and then you are blessed. And he's created this contrast. He says, here are the cursed and here are the blessed. Where, where are we? <laughs> where are we? Has Jesus really come for you? Do you really live in freedom? Freedom is here and cursed is here. Look, he, he expounds on this earlier. He says in verse 10, For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, 
For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law. Now, he's talking specifically about the Mosaic law there, but actually this, this curse that he's talking about is bigger. Now, some might confuse it and say like, oh, the law is the curse. That's not what he's saying, actually. And he's, he's talking about the curse, and a curse is, is pretty simple. You've been sentenced to destruction. If anyone's cursed you, look out. If they actually have true power to carry it out. And so the realities of this curse, the curse that we're talking about here, goes way back past Moses, past Abraham, down to the Garden of Eden, where humanity walks away from God. And Adam and Eve decide that they're not going to they're not going to trust God anymore. And when they do, sin enters into their lives. And they, they are cursed. Sentenced for destruction. It's infected every level of their human nature. It's affected their decisions that they make. It's affected their relationships, not just with God, but with each other. It's affected their kids and their kids' kids and everything that's happened here in the gross test things that we've seen and the stuff that we've talked about as sin that's pretty much damned humanity has started with that one falling away. Sin has destroyed us. Sin is the reason in which we are cursed. Destruction is yours. No one can avoid it. And so if you want to keep the law, that's fine. But you're still cursed. Today's language, you want to try to earn your salvation by being a good person? Well, I'll just do this, this, and this, and this. I'm a pretty good person, right? You're still cursed. You want to try to come to church and try to do this, this, and this, and you think that's going to make a difference between you and God. You've missed it because you can't follow the law. You aren't good enough. You can try, but you're not going to make it. In the original Greek here, if you, if you read through like anywhere, you get a Greek dictionary out. There is no word for what he's trying to explain there. There's no word for legalism. And Paul is trying to take what we have one word for to explain this whole section. Don't be legalistic. You can't add anything to Jesus Christ. If you do, if you believe the lie, you are actually living in slavery, not freedom. To think that these people think they're going to gain salvation, they're going to get freedom from their sin by following rules and regulations, that is so weighty. And Paul's saying, we just got out of that. The law was this huge picture pointing to you that you aren't good enough. You want to be holy? You want to be righteous before God? You need something else. You need something else. That's the lie that's been told to you over and over again. And it's, 
It's sad we keep buying into it. A couple of months ago, I was um, uh, getting my car inspected. It was right up to the wire, and I didn't have enough time to get into the, the, the mechanic that I trusted, and so I, I just went to the first guy that was open. And I go to the <clears throat> place and drop it off, and an hour later, they call me and they say, well... Your seat's broken, and this is broken, and we got the, the, the turn light. It's not working right. And, and I said, well, I think it just needs a light bulb. Maybe just put a light bulb in it. No, no, it's not just the light bulb. You need to, we need to do diagnostic tests, and that's $150. And you need to, uh, you know, and then we'll have to fix, I think it's wiring. There's a wiring problem in there. And, and at this point, I'm thinking, what? It worked yesterday. And so I pick it up, and I take it home, and, and you know what? I put a light bulb in it for $8, and it worked. And at that point, I'm thinking, I am not taking it back there. So don't tell the government, but I did go past my due date, and then I got the appointment with the right place and took it in, and that was it. It had passed. These people were trying to fix something and charge me for something that wasn't even broken. Oh, don't make me so bad. They're <laughs> <laughs> taking advantage of me. <laughs> this is just a, a little taste of why Paul is so angry. Here comes these guys trying to convince them that they're getting freedom by fixing something that's not broken. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. He's the one that can provide the freedom that you are looking for. Not all these rules and regulations. You can't add anything to the work of the cross. Look what he says here, how beautiful that is. He says, Now it is evident that no one is justified before, or before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith. Hello? Clearly, nobody's justified by the law. Are you serious? Are you kidding me right now? Have you not lived under the law? Have you not tried it on your own already? Clearly, and he quotes an Old Testament passage in Habakkuk, and he says, the law is not based on that. Or, the law is not based on faith. He says, your righteousness is by faith in Habakkuk. It's always been about faith. It's never been that you could do this, this, and this, and this, and this, and then have salvation. It's always been a faith in God and the coming Messiah. It's always been a trust and, 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 and a pursuit of His heart. It's always been about a relationship with Jesus. You want freedom from your sin? He's got it. You want freedom here on this earth? He wants to give it to you. And it starts with freedom from religion. Freedom from religion. And friends, that's what Christianity is all about. People are distracted. They, they, they run from God because they think Christianity is about a list of rules and regulations and things that you just don't want. 
In fact, entire, I'm going to show this to you, entire denominations are built on this. And I think all of us just default back to this. We think of, of salvation like a mountain. My art teacher is not going to be proud of me. Actually, she'd probably be like, yep, there it is. This is a mountain, okay? I hope you can see that. We treat salvation like this. God is up here. And you know what? I got baptized. Check. Start coming to church. Check. I, maybe I go to a growth group. Check. Especially if it's Pastor Josh's. Maybe I do communion. Check. I start serving people. Check. I, 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 you know, sacrifice for God. I learn worship songs in the key of G. Check. <laughs> and when I work my way up, and I gain Christ, this is, this is totally wrong. I'm not good enough for that. I'm not smart enough. I'm, I'm stupid when it comes to climbing this mountain. I need to start with Jesus. Down here, God picks you up right where you are. He doesn't wait until you've climbed some ladder. This is the greatest sin of all, that we could be good enough that we could be God. That was a temptation in the garden. The serpent said to, the, to, to Adam and Eve, you know, God, God's trying to steal from you. God says that you, can, you, you, don't, you don't want the knowledge of good and evil because then you would be like him. And here we are trying to climb up that we can get up as high as God. This is, this is old Tower of Babel stuff. Stop this. Christianity is not about this. It's about a relationship. A relationship with God. And here, when all this is God and it's just Jesus, then there's freedom. Then there's freedom. Look at, look at what he says here. Verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. All your sin, all the darkness, all the things that could possibly have happened because of our sin, He became that curse. He was, he was put to the destruction. It says, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole, is what, it, is, is what it's saying. It's pointing to the cross. It's saying when, when people were convicted, when people were sentenced to death, they were stoned and they were stuck up on a wooden stake after they were dead so that everybody could see it. And Jesus took that curse and he hung for you and me, crucifying our sin. And he redeemed us. 
He redeemed us so that we would have the blessings. Surely, He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But He was wounded by our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Upon Him was a chastisement that made us whole. And with His stripes, we are healed. All we were like sheep and had gone astray. We have turned every one of us to his or, his or her own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Friends, we are all cursed. The Bible says in Romans 3, 23, that everyone has sinned. Everyone falls, falls short of the glory of God. In 6, Romans 6, it says that that penalty, the cost for our sins, means we are cursed. We're cut off from God, and we will die in eternal separation. But the gift of God is a new life, a new life in Him for eternity, the forgiveness for sin, and the power over sin. This is freeing. This is salvation. It is not obedience in the law, but a love for Jesus Christ. So here's what we've got to do. We've got to get serious about our love for Christ. Fall in love with Him. And then and only then would you see the transformation in your life and the victory over sin. He says just later in this passage, look at verse uh, 1 of chapter 5. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Stand firm in your relationship with Christ. He goes on and says, keep in step with the Spirit. He says, give yourself to the Holy Spirit. Walk into things that look like God, which is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness. Those are your guidelines. Those are the pool that you swim in. He says, give yourself over to Him. He says, be transparent. Confess your sins to one another like James tells us. He says, carry one another's burdens. Friends, the sunlight is the greatest disinfectant. You hide in something, sin is like fungus. It just grows in darkness. It'll consume you and destroy you. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where is the Spirit of God? He's in His people. He's standing there, guarding your spirit. And everyone else has put their faith in Jesus Christ. It's time for us to be transparent. Let it out so that we would be healed. What, do you think you can carry it on your own? You're not good enough. You need a relationship with God. It's summed up like this. Love God with all your heart and soul and mind. 
and love what he loves. Love each other. Have a never-ending pursuit for Jesus. This was Paul's life. I want Jesus, nothing else. And he, talk about following the rules and regulations, he was up here. He could follow them all. He followed them all to the T. He was lifted high in his society. He had 613 other rules that they just made up that were absolutely ridiculous. And everybody around him looked at him and said, yeah, he is the most devoted. He has prestige. He's the greatest of all of us. And he throws all of that away for Jesus. He says, forget it. He says in, in his letter to the Philippians, I want to know Christ. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. I want to be like him. I want to suffer with him. I want to give myself to him because the blessing of Abraham is Jesus. The blessing of God is himself in a relationship with him. You were not meant to be alone. God has come for you because you were designed for him. Stop pretending like you're something that you're not. It's time for freedom. It's time for salvation. It's time to have an intimate relationship with the Savior of the universe. And I want to I spend the, the rest of our time together by coming before the communion table. You see, God has set this up so that we would remember and celebrate and commune with him in his sacrifice that he is everything. And we don't need anything else. You don't need to add anything to Jesus. He paid the penalty. He's marked it with his own blood. You're not going to lose it. And now begins the relationship with him. I'm going to ask the servers to go ahead and come forward. And while they are, I'm going to say this. The communion table is open to everybody. You don't have to be a member at Littlestown Chapel. Um, but I do ask that you've put your faith in Jesus Christ. And some of you may be thinking, like, I've kind of been caught up in the legalistic thing, and I got some more questions. I, I hope that you ask those questions today and, and let the tray pass by it, because this is um, very important and serious. And, 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 and some of us might be even too young. And I just, I put all that discretion in your, your hands. Um, so let's ask the Lord uh, to bless uh, the cup and, and thank him for uh, his sacrifice. And, and when, when we pray this, I'm going to pause for just a minute, and I'm inviting you in that moment, realign yourself, cry out to God. Maybe there's some things you've tried to add to him, and it's time to confess them. Maybe you just need to hear from him, and you need to spend some time with him this morning celebrating the gift of salvation. I'm going to give you just a little moment to do that, and that's what the silence is for. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the bread, for the sacrifice, Lord, that you became the curse for us, that you forgave us of our sin.
But then you, you, you made the, the covenant for us that did not depend on us, but on your work. That we would never, once we put our faith in you, we would never fall away, Lord. I thank you so much for the, the hope, the great hope of salvation, the freedom we have in you. Would you bless us? We give thanks in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.